Well, good morning, everybody. Um, if you're just tuning in now or joining us, if I didn't welcome you earlier, just want to say good morning and thank you uh, for being here with us. Now, back in May, um, there was something going around on social media called the Toddler Candy Challenge. Um, and in this challenge, parents would, would take candy or some sort of snack that uh, a kid would find tempting, and then they would put it in front of the child. And then uh, they would say, you can have this snack, but you've just got to wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to leave the room. I got to do something. And when I get back, you can have a snack. And, and when they would leave, uh, they would leave the camera rolling. And so um, Shannon and I thought it would be fun uh, to do this with our, our two-year-old daughter, Jane, because it tests their willpower, their obedience, and their, uh, their patience. And so you don't know what they're going to do until you watch the video back. What, what will they do when they don't think anybody is watching? Now, when we know people are watching, um, we tend to act a little bit differently. And here's what I mean. If you're a parent or when you become a parent or as your kids get older, you will start to master what is known as the look. And the look comes out when your child is misbehaving in public, they're throwing a tantrum, they're not listening, uh, but there are people present. And so uh, you want to tell them, like, I'm done with this behavior, but you also don't want to let people see the beast that's inside. And, and so you give the child the look, and it says, you're going to behave, because if you don't, this won't go well for you later on when we get alone. I'm not playing. But the look, the look only comes out when you're in front of other people because you don't, again, want to see them uh, or let them see what's kind of going on inside, how frustrated you might be. Now, we tend to try our best when people are watching. When we know people are watching, we try our best. And so Jesus kind of speaks to this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. He says, Be careful when you do good things. Don't do them in front of people to be seen by them. If you do that, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the poor, don't be like the hypocrites. They blow trumpets in the synagogues and on the streets so that people will see them and honor them. I tell you the truth, those hypocrites already have their full reward. So when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know what you are doing. Your giving should be done in secret. Your Father can see what is done in secret and he will reward you. Now, Jesus, what, what he knows is that there's a temptation to um, act differently when there are people who are watching. There's a temptation uh, to try our best when we have an audience. And Jesus, here he's criticizing uh, the religious leaders, mostly the Pharisees, for a, a particular form of hypocrisy. They do all the right things, but they do them for the wrong reasons. And so if they don't have an audience, there's a good chance that they're not going to do these good works, these good things, because there's no one to see it, there's no one to praise them for it, or, or give them a compliment for doing these things. Now we have to understand, when we read this text, Jesus is not saying that there's no value in, in doing good works publicly. He's not saying that there will be no reward. But what he's saying is, if the thing you're seeking from doing these things is to be publicly recognized, is to get praise from other people. That's all the reward you're going to get because your motives are wrong. And so when we, we read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, Jesus in this, this text is calling us to examine our motives for why we do good things. Like, why do we do the good things that we do? And right off the bat, Jesus nails one reason people do it. Sometimes our motive for doing good is to look good. Like, it's, it's tempting to be kind. It's easy to be kind 
when we know people are watching, when we, when we know that we, we have an audience. And so it's tempting to, to give that compliment or the encouragement to the person on a job well done when we know other people are there to go, oh, look how generous that guy is with his compliments and his encouragement towards others, and they'll think well of us. Or maybe uh, you're, you're walking down the street and somebody's got a, got a coffee cup and they're, they're putting it out, or you're, there's a street musician, or you're out at a restaurant. It's easier to put money in the guitar case or in the coffee cup or maybe leave a larger tip when there's other people there to go, oh, look how generous they are with their resources. Maybe you're in a parking lot and you accidentally back into somebody else's vehicle and you get out and you look and it's like, uh, yeah, there is a mark there. And you look around. And if you see that other people have seen what you've done, it's much easier to write that note and put it on the windshield saying, okay, let me take care of the damage. But if nobody's watching, I'm not, I haven't done this, but it might be tempting to just drive away and not have to foot the bill for that so you don't um, have to deal with that. Now, there's a temptation to do good things if it might cause people to think well of us, to speak well of us. However, if we don't think anyone is watching, we may find ourselves tempted not to do those good things. Because here's the reality, doing what is good, doing what is right, doing what is kind, that can sometimes be costly. It can sometimes be inconvenient. Like we might have to go out of our way to help that person. It might cost us time, it might cost us energy, it might cost us money in order to do that good thing, in order to do the kind thing, in order to help somebody. And so it's easier not to do good things when we don't have an audience. And if we're honest, I think most of us would admit that um, when we know people are watching, we're more, often te- we're more tempted to do those good things, those good works, because people might think well of us, they might speak well of us. Now, when Jesus says not to do these good things to be seen or praised by other people, he's actually kind of taking away one of the reasons a lot of people do good things. And they okay, well, why would I do these things if it's not going to be any gain for me? But, but he says, in the end, if all you're after is to be um, praised for it, if you're, you're thought to be spoken well of by others, if that's all you're looking for, that's all you're going to get. And, and like, if that's all you get, what does that really count for in the end? Like maybe at your, at your funeral, somebody will give a nice eulogy, but it, it doesn't really mean th- much in the grand scheme of things. Now for some, the reason that they do good or kind things is, is selfish. Like s- sometimes our motive for doing good is to feel good. There's, there's a trend on social media in which people will do good things and they'll post it online for everybody to see. Um, and, and so posts will get circulated about a person who, who encounters somebody who's in distress or who needs help. And they'll, they'll go out of their way and, and they'll help that person. But as they're helping the person, what, what do they do? They, they snap a, a selfie of them helping the person or they get somebody to record it. And then they post it online with this giant explanation of how that vulnerable person, how that person who needed help taught them so much. And so it would be like this. Here's a, here's a picture of me giving my jacket to this homeless man. He, he had so much wisdom to offer me. He taught me about the, the meaning of life. 
Here's a video of us at the soup kitchen and we're, we're serving these people who are vulnerable and they had so much wisdom and they taught us what's most important in life. It was, it was life-changing. Now, here's what I think. If Jesus were to deliver Matthew chapter 6 in 2020, I think he might say something like this. When you do good things, don't post it online to get likes and shares. When you do your good works, leave your phone in your pocket. Now, why, why do I think Jesus would say that? Because in trying to help preserve the integrity of the vulnerable person by helping them, by feeding them, by clothing them, the moment you post that photo, the moment you post that video, you've actually done the very opposite of what you were trying to do. I, I saw an example of this going around um, last year. There was a video um, in which there were some boys who walk up to a, a classmate in the hallway of the school, and they're just carrying uh, brand name clothing bags. And they walk up to the boy, and they just start giving him these bags of clothes. And th- it was good clothes, and, and there's captions going on that say, this boy wore the same clothes to school every day because his parents couldn't afford to buy him new ones. And so it's, it's this video, it shows them handing him bags, and they're taking it out, it's like, oh, look at this, this is Nike, and this is Champion, and all these brand name clothes, and it's, it's recorded. And in the end, it shows these boys with their arms around this guy who they've given the clothes to, and they've got big smiles on their face. Like, they feel good about helping this guy. But what I noticed in that video, who didn't have a smile on their face? the boy who had received all of the clothes. And so when, when doing our good works, we need to make sure that we don't dehumanize the person and make them into an object that makes us feel good about ourselves. And so before you post anything, I think this is kind of helpful advice. Before you post anything, especially when it's going to be like, this is what I've done for a person, ask yourself this question. Why do I want the world to know this? Why do I want the world to know this thing that I have done? Now, maybe our motive isn't to help others or to look better in the eyes of others, but it's actually um, to feel good about ourselves. Um, We want to feel good about who we are. If you ask people, are you a good person? Most people are going to say, yes, I'm a good person. Like deep down, nobody wants to be the bad guy. We, we want to feel that we are good. We want to believe that we are good. And sometimes our motive for doing good is because we think doing good makes us good. Um, and I think people, that if they believe that there's an afterlife, regardless of what this afterlife looks like, whether or not you hold to uh, Christian views or the views of some other religion, or you're just kind of like, ah, it all works out in the end, I think they believe that in the end, if you're going to get to the good place in the afterlife, goodness matters. That, that how you treat others, if you're kind to them, I be- think they believe that matters, that that has some sort of eternal implications. Now, the reality is doing good things doesn't necessarily make you a good person. Doing good things doesn't atone for the wrong things that you have done. And, and we see this even in Um, our our earthly courts. Like nobody goes and stands before a judge guilty of murder and the the judge goes, yes, you're guilty of murder, but you've been so charitable. So we're going to let you off the hook. It's all good. You can go. 
Nobody stands before a judge and the judge goes, um, you're guilty of assault and robbery, but you made a habit of paying for the order behind you in the drive through did that every day, so go free. You're, you're good. We're, we're neutral. Like, that's not how it works. Like, people would still um, want to see them called to account. Like, good deeds don't atone for bad ones. Now, think about it this way. You might go, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I think that's right. If you were the victim of one of those things, if it was your loved one that was murdered, if it was you who was assaulted and robbed, and the judge is like, yeah, you've done some good things. You can go free. It's all good. You would not be cool with that. You, you would want to see that person held to account. Think about even what's going on with um, Ellen DeGeneres in the news right now. She's famous for doing nice and kind things online. She gives away money. She helps people. That's, that's good. But um, what she's being accused of off, off TV, off screen, is being a tyrant and treating her staff poorly. And, and like even in our own culture, Nobody's going, but she's kind. So that excuses the, the wrong things that she have done, has done. Like, no, people want to see her held to account for that behavior. Now, even if you don't get caught for the wrong things that you've done, you still live with, with, with shame, with guilt, maybe a fear that you are going to get caught for those things that you've done that you know aren't right. Now, in the same way, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, God isn't going to get a scale out and go, okay, here's your good deeds, here's your bad deeds, and let's see which one outweighs the other one. And if it's good, you get to go to heaven. If it's bad, you're not going to heaven. It's the other thing. Or God's not going to get out a list and write out good deeds versus bad deeds, and you better hope that your good deeds list is longer. Like, that's not the way it's going to work. God looks at the fact that we are guilty of sin, that we've broken his law, that we deserve punishment. Now, like, in the end, we're all declared guilty. And we might go, I don't like that. Like, we might go, no, I've been a good person. But we have to realize that's coming from our perspective. That's coming from our judgment. That's not God's. And in the end, it's his, his perspective. It's his judgment that counts. And so when we're found guilty of sin, and we will, there will be consequences. And scripture says it's separation from God, the source of life, which means death. But it's not just physical death, it's spiritual death, which means hell. And so there's consequences to our sin, and we're all guilty of sin. But God, he doesn't want to leave us in that position He doesn't want to leave you guilty. He doesn't want to leave you in shame and fear. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world guilty, but to save the world through him. People who believe in God's son are not judged guilty. Those who do not believe have already been judged guilty because they have not believed in God's one and only son. And so in the gospel, what it says is that God will forgive your sin. God wants to forgive your sin. And on the cross, Jesus took the punishment that we deserve for our sin, and he died in our place, and that debt has been paid if we accept it. And since that debt has been paid, God can look at us and say that we are not guilty, but on top of that, he looks at us through the righteousness of Christ, and he sees us as good. And so there's no fear and shame or guilt because God has declared us guilty. God sees us as good. And so who is there to shame you 
Who is there to judge you when God himself has declared that you are good, that you are righteous, that your debt has been been paid for? But God doesn't just declare us good and righteous. He goes beyond that. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And the Spirit creates this new character within us. God makes us into new people through his Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, which is kind of the theme verse for this uh, series, starting in verse 22, Paul describes what, that, what the Spirit does or what it looks like in our lives. It says the Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. Now, Paul says two things that you're going to see in the life of a person who is marked by the Spirit are kindness and goodness. And so the gospel, it says, I no longer have to work to impress God. My impressing others doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And as a result of Christ's work for me, I have relationship with God. I will be with God forever in his kingdom. And so what the gospel says is I don't become good by doing good. I'm good because God has made me good. And he is making me good through his spirit. And so the word uh, for kindness in Galatians chapter 5, it's this idea of moral excellence in character and demeanor. The word for goodness is uprightness of heart and life. It's this idea that you're going to do what is right, what is good, what is kind, because it is the right thing to do, because it is the good thing to do, because it is the kind thing to do. And so both of these ideas imply this idea of integrity, this idea that you're going to do what is right, what is good, what is kind, because you know that's what you should do. And here's what integrity does. Integrity doesn't care who is in the room. Integrity doesn't care who is in the audience. Integrity does what is right because it is right. And so maybe we do good because it does good for others. Maybe our motive for good is is to do good for others, which, which is a good thing. This is something God would applaud. He calls us, love your neighbor. And maybe we do this. We, we try and do good and kind things every day. But the question I want to ask you is this. What, what's going to come out of those things in the end? What are you working towards in your kindness and your goodness towards others? Is it, is it to make somebody's day? And there's nothing wrong with that. Is it to put a smile on somebody's face? Again, nothing wrong with that. And God, God applauds, um, again, loving your neighbor. But God also wants to see our goodness and our kindness go beyond just putting a smile on somebody's face. He wants to see our goodness and kindness produce things that go beyond um, making somebody's day. God wants to see something more. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, when we read that, Paul says that we should follow the Spirit. Other, other translations would say keep in step with the Spirit. And I said this last week. What it kind of has this idea is that the Spirit is leading us and we're following where the Spirit is going. And so the question is, where is the Spirit leading us? Where is he taking us to? And I think Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 it gives us an answer to this question. Paul, again, he, he writes in these verses, 
I mean that you are, have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. It was not the result of your own efforts, so you cannot brag about it. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Now, in some translations, Ephesians 2.10 will say that we are God's workmanship, that we are God's works of art. Like God is at work on you. He is shaping you. He is transforming you. He is crafting you, forming you into something beautiful. Now, these translations will say we are also created to do good works. And so he's shaping, he's transforming, he's crafting, forming you through his spirit at work in your life. And the spirit is creating a new character in you. And, and the spirit is making us good. God is making us good. And so here's, here's something we need to realize, though. We aren't saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works. I want to say that again. We aren't saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works. And so Paul says these, plan, these, these good works, they've been planned in advance by God for us to live our lives doing. And so the question is, where is the Spirit leading us? Well, the Spirit... He is leading you into opportunities to do these good works that God has, has planned in advance for you to do. These, these good works that God is forming you and shaping you and transforming you to be able to do. And Paul seems to be implying that God, he arranges these divine appointments, these opportunities for you to be able to do these good things. And they, they play a part in his divine purpose and plan, his sovereign purpose and plan, this plan of salvation. And so as we follow the Spirit, here's what I want us to understand. We are cooperating with God as he saves people's lives for eternity. We cooperate with God as he saves people's lives for eternity. Now, that, that's cool and frightening. Like, like, to think about this, the conversation that I had with my new neighbors yesterday the conversation you might have with somebody on the bus, the conversation you might have with somebody on uh, the street as you encounter them. God might use that to change eternity. That God might use something as simple as you writing an encouraging note, praying with your coworker who's going through a difficult time, or stopping to change a flat tire when somebody needs help. God might use something as simple as that to change where somebody will spend forever. And so the Spirit is leading us into opportunities to do the good works that God has created us to do. And here's the thing. I, I, I've had enough of these conversations with people where as soon as you hear something like that, you actually, you're kind of excited, but you're also nervous at the same time. It creates a little bit of anxiety within you because you're going, how do I know which ones are from God? How do I know which opportunities I need to take, which ones I don't? Which are the important ones? Which are the unimportant ones? Which ones can I afford to ignore and which ones can I not afford to ignore? And so I, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 33 uh, to 40. And this is, it's an interesting uh, text. And here Jesus says this, The Son of Man will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the people on his right, Come, my Father has given you his blessing. Receive the kingdom God has prepared for you since the world was made. I was hungry, and you gave me food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes and you gave me something to wear. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the good people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you alone and away from home and invite you into our house? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer, I tell you the truth. Anything you did for even the least of my people here, you also did for me. And Jesus goes on and he talks about the people who didn't do these good things. Now this text, it's important to know, it's not saying that we are, we are saved by the good things that we do. What it's saying is the good things we do shows what's going on inside of us. Are we being transformed by the Spirit? Are we following the Spirit in these opportunities that we see every day? And even though nobody might be present to witness our good works, what Jesus has, has said in this text in Matthew chapter 6 is going, nothing escapes the eyes of the God who sees what is done in secret. He sees, he knows, and Jesus notices what we do for others. And, and this text shows us, it's not that just Jesus notices what we do for others, but he also takes it very personally very personally. He says, those things that you thought you were doing for them, you were actually doing for me. Those things, he goes on to say, that you didn't do for them, you actually didn't do it for me. And so here's what I want us to take away from this, is that no opportunity to show kindness or goodness is an insignificant one. No act of kindness or goodness is too small to be used by God in in his sovereign purposes and plans. Now, God will use even the simplest things to to make a difference. Like sometimes the simplest gestures that we just think are small, it it will tell somebody that you you are known, you are valued, you are loved, not just by me, but but by God. Like even in my own life, there have been times where I've been down, um, where I've been discouraged and struggling, and somebody's random text message felt random to me, or probably felt random to them, or an encouraging note. That's been, that's been helpful. It's been huge. There have been times where somebody has asked, how are you? And they listened. And that has been healing. That, that, that has restored me in big ways. And the reality is we never truly know the weight of our acts of kindness or goodness. And a single moment of kindness or goodness can change a person's decision-making process during a critical moment of crisis. And that can have both temporary and eternal consequences. Uh, like in our, in our life group, we've been doing some Bible reading plans together uh, throughout the summer. Um, and if we use the Bible app for that. And a few weeks ago, there was a devotion uh, that contained the story of a man named Mr. B who was a professor at Beijing University um, in China. And so this is kind of like the Harvard of China. And so uh, Mr. B one day in class, he made a joke about the Communist Party. He thought it was funny. One of his students didn't. And they reported him uh, to the police. And the next day, the police burst into his office and they took him away to a remote communist prison without warning and without trial. Now, that morning, Mr. B, he had woken up as a professor, a distinguished professor. He worked in one of the most prestigious institutions in China. And that night, he was behind bars in prison. And, And prisons at that time in China weren't very nice. They were full of disease and torture, and death. 
And being in this environment, Mr. B, he quickly kind of got into this, this, um, this rut. He plunged into depression and despair, which led him to thoughts of suicide over the course of weeks. And so one, one afternoon, he walked up to his eighth-story window, and there's no bars on this window. There's no glass. Um, the officials are kind of like, you can use this window however you want. If you want to end your life, that's okay with us. And Mr. B was thinking about that. But as he was in this moment of desperation, he remembered um, what a friend, a Christian, a foreign professor, who had said to him, how he had befriended him and he had shared the gospel with him. And Mr. B, in that moment, he prayed, Jesus, if you are real, please bring me this forgiveness and peace my friend told me you promised. In turn, I will offer my life in service to you. Mr. B said in this moment, he felt that the sky was never bluer, the sun was never brighter through the open hole of the window, and I had a joy rise up inside of my heart like I have never felt before. And Mr. B, he didn't end his life that day. He actually was eventually released, and he went on to start several orphanages in the interior of China where he cared for the poor, but more importantly, he led hundreds, if not thousands, of people to Christ. And here's the thing. Somebody's simple act of befriending Mr. B one day at university and sharing the gospel with him. Eventually, that saved Mr. B's life. Not just that day, but for eternity. And it went on to transform and save the lives of countless many more people. So we never truly know the weight of our acts of kindness or goodness when God is involved. No opportunity to show kindness or goodness is an insignificant one. Now in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says something that might seem a little contradictory to what he, we started with in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here's what it comes down to. When people give you the glory for your good works, it doesn't really do anyone any good. But when people give God glory for your good works, that can change everything. Everything. 